0: Book One Chapter Nine of the Mermaid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson: The Mermaid by Lily Dougal. Book One Chapter Nine. The Sea Maid's Music At dawn, Caius was upon the shore again. But he saw nothing but a red sunrise and a gray sea merging into the blue and green and gold of the ordinary day He got back to breakfast without the fact of his matutinal walk being known to the family He managed also in the afternoon to loiter for half an hour on the same bit of shore at the same hour as the day before Without anyone being the wiser, but he saw no mermaid He fully intended to spend tomorrow by the sea But he had made this effort to appear to skip today to avoid awaking curiosity He had a horse and buggy that afternoon. He was friendly and made many calls Wherever he went he directed the conversation into such channels as would make it certain That he would hear if anyone else had seen the mermaid or had seen the face of a strange woman by sea or land Of one or two female visitors to the neighborhood within a radius of 20 miles he did hear But when he came to investigate each case he found that the visit was known to everyone and the status Lineage and habits of the visitors all of the same humdrum sort He decided in his own mind that ten miles was the utmost length that a woman could possibly swim But he talked boldly of great swimming feats he had seen in his college life And opined that a good swimmer might even cross the bay from Montrose Or from the little port of Stanhope in the other direction and when he saw the incredulity of his listeners he knew that no one had accomplished either journey for the water was overlooked by a hundred houses at either place and many a small vessel ploughed the waves when he went to sleep that night caius was sure that the vision of the mermaid was all his own shared only by old morrison who lay in his grave it was perhaps this partnership with the dead that gave the matter its most incredible and unreal aspect three years before this lady of the sea had frequented this spot none but the dead man and himself had been permitted to see her well when all's said and done said caius to himself rolling upon a sleepless bed it's a very extraordinary thing next morning he hired a boat the nearest that was to be had he got it a mile and a half further up the shore It was a clumsy thing, but he rowed it past the mouth of the creek, where he used to fish, all along the waterfront of Day's Farm, past the little point that was the beginning of the rocky part of the shore, and then he drew the boat up upon the little island. He hid it perfectly among the grass and weeds. Over all the limited surface, among the pine shrubs and flowering weeds, he searched to see if hiding-place for the nymph could be found. Two colts were pastured on the isle. He found no cave or hut. When he had finished his search, he sat and waited and watched till the sun set over the sea. But today there was no smiling face rearing itself from the blue water, no little hand beckoning him away. What a fool I was not to go where she beckoned, mused Caius. Where? Anywhere into the heart of the ocean, out of this dull, sordid life, into the land of dreams. For it must all have been a dream a sweet fantastic dream imposed upon his senses by some influence outward or inward but it seemed to him that at the hour when he seemed to see the maid it might have been given him to enter the world of dreams and go on in some existence which was a truer reality than the one in which he now was in a deliberate way he thought that perhaps if the truth were known he dr caius simpson was going a little mad but as he sat by the softly lapping sea he did not regret this madness what he did regret was that he must go home and talk to Mabel He rowed his boat back with feelings of blank disappointment He could not give another day to idleness upon the shore it was impossible that such an important person as himself could spend long afternoons and evenings thus without everyone's knowledge He had a feeling too born as many calculations are of pure surmise That he would have seen the mermaid again that afternoon when he had made such elaborate Arrangements to meet her if fate had destined them to meet again at all No he must give her up he must forget the hallucination that had worked so madly on his brain Nevertheless he did not deny himself the pleasure of walking very frequently to the spot and this often in the early hours before breakfast a time which he could dispose of as he would without comment as He walked the beach in the beauty of the early day He realized that some new region of life had been opened to him that he was feeling his way into new mysteries of beatified thought and feeling A week passed he was again upon the shore opposite the island at the sunrise hour He sat on the rock which seemed like a home to his restless spirit So associated it was with the first thoughts of those new visions of beauty which were becoming dear to him He heard a soft splashing sound in the water and looked about him suddenly saw the sea child's face lifted out of the water Not more than four or five yards from him All around her was a golden cloud of sand it seemed to have been stirred up by her startled movement on seeing him for a moment she was still Resting thus close and he could see distinctly that around her white shoulders. There was a coil of what seemed like glistening rounded scales He could not decide whether the brightness in her eye was that of laughing ease or of startled excitement Then she turned and darted away from him and having put about 40 feet between them. She turned and looked back with easy defiance his eyes fascinated by what was to him an awful thing trying to penetrate the sparkling water and see the outlines of the form whose clumsy skin seemed to hang in horrid folds Stretching its monstrous bulk under the waves His vision was broken by the sparkling splash which the maiden deliberately made with her hands as if divining his curiosity and defying it He felt the more sure that his senses did not play him false because the arrangement of the human and fishy substance in the apparition Did not tally with any preconceived ideas he had of mermaids caius felt no loathing of the horrid form that seemed to be part of her He knew as he had never known before how much of coarseness there was in himself His hands and feet as he looked down at them seemed clumsy his ideas clumsy and gross to correspond He knew enough to know that he might by the practice of exercise have made his muscles and brain the expression of his will Instead of the inert mass of flesh that they now seemed to him to be he might yes He might if he had his years to live over again have made himself noble and strong as it was He was mutely conscious of being a thing to be justly derided by the laughing eyes that looked up at him from the water a Man to be justly shunned and avoided by the being of the white arms and dimpled face and He sat upon the rock looking looking It seemed useless to rise or speak or smile He remembered the mirth that his former efforts had caused and he was dumb and still Perhaps the sea child found this treatment more uninteresting than that attention he had lavished on her on the former occasion Perhaps she had not so long to tarry as he still watched her She turned again and made her way swift and straight toward the rocky point Caius ran following upon the shore but after a minute he perceived that she could disappear round the point before either by swimming or wading he could get near her he could not make his way round the point by the shore his best means of keeping her in sight was to climb the cliff from which the whole bay on the other side would be visible like a man running a race for life he leaped back to a place where it was possible to climb and once on the top made his way by main force through a growth of low bushes until he could overlook the bay. But lo, when he came there, no creature was visible in the sunny sea beneath or on the shelving red bank which lay plain to his view. Far and wide he scanned the ocean, and long he stood and watched. He walked, searching for anyone upon the bank, till he came to Day's barns, and by that time he was convinced that the sea maid had either vanished into thin air or sunk down. And remained beneath the surface of the sea the farm to which he had come was certainly the last place in which he would have thought to look for news of the sportive sea creature and Yet because it stood alone there in that part of the earth He tarried now to put some question to the owner Just as we look mechanically for a lost object in drawers or cupboards in which we feel sure it cannot be Caius found day in a small paddock behind one of the barns tending a mare and her baby foal They had of late turned his attention to horses and the farm had a bleaker look in consequence Because many of its acres were left untilled Caius leaned his elbows on the fence of the paddock hello They turned round asking without words what he wanted in a very surly way at the distance at which he stood and without receiving any encouragement Caius found a difficulty in forming his question. You haven't seen anything odd in the sea about here, have you? What sort of thing? I thought I saw a queer thing swimming in the water. Did you? No, I didn't. It was evident that no spark of interest had been roused in the farmer by the question. From that, more than anything else, Caius judged that his words were true. But because he was anxious to make assurance doubly sure, he blundered into another form of the same inquiry. There isn't a young girl about this place, is there? Day's face grew indescribably dark. In an instant, Caius remembered that if the man had any feeling about him, the question was the sorest he could have asked. The child, who would now have been a girl, drowned, her sister and brother exiled, and Day bound over by legal authority to see to it that no defenceless person came in the way of the wife who had killed her child. A moment more, and Day had merely turned his back, going on with his work. Caius did not blame him. He respected the man the more for the feeling he displayed. Vexed with himself and not finding how to end the interview, Caius waited a minute and then turned suddenly from the fence, without knowing why he turned until he saw that the constraining force was the presence of Day's wife, who stood at the end of the barn, out of sight of her husband. But looking eagerly at Caius She made a sign to him to come no doubt. She had heard what had been said Caius went to her drawn by the eagerness of her bright black eyes Her large form was slightly clad in a cotton gown her abundant black hair was fastened rather loosely about her head Her high boned cheeks were thinner than of old and her face wore a more excited expression Otherwise there was little difference in her She had been sent from the asylum as cured Caius gave her a civil good day She has come back to me said the woman who my baby as you've put up the stone to I've always wanted to tell you. I like that stone, but she isn't dead. She has come back to me Now although the return of the drowned child had been an idea often in his mind of late that he had merely toyed with it as a beautiful fancy was proved by the fact that no sooner did the mother express the same thought than Caius recognized that she was mad. She has come back to me, the poor mother spoke in tones of exquisite happiness. She has grown a big girl, she has curls on her head, and she wears a marriage ring. Who is she married to? Caius could not answer. The mother looked at him with curious steadfastness. I thought perhaps she was married to you. She said surely the woman had seen what he had seen in the sea But question her as he would Caius could gain nothing more from her No hint of time or place or any fact that at all added to his enlightenment She only grew frightened at his question and begged him in moving terms not to tell day that she had spoken to him Not to tell the people in the village that her daughter had come back or they would put her again in the asylum Truly this last appeared to Caius as not unlikely consequence But it was not his business to bring it about it was not for him who shared her delusion to condemn her After that Caius knew that either he was mad or what he had seen he had seen Let the explanation be what it might and he ceased to care much about the explanation He remembered the look of heart satisfaction with which day's wife had told him that her child had returned the beautiful face looking from out the waves had no doubt wrought happiness in her and in him also it had wrought happiness and that which was better He ceased to wrestle with the difference that the adventure had made to his life or to try to ignore it He had learned to love someone far better than himself and that someone Seemed so wholly at one with the nature in which she ranged and also with the best He could think concerning nature human or inanimate that his love extended to all the world for her sake. End of Book One, Chapter Nine